Welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to another awesome, awesome show of, I'm so glad to have you here. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Tina Ginn. I am with your backup plan app. Um, we sponsor the show and um, yeah, I, I can't believe it's going into our fourth year already. If you're new here, welcome. And please like, share and subscribe down here in the corner button. If you haven't already, thank you. And some people say, I've been noticing on some YouTube shows, if you haven't, why not? Why haven't you subscribed yet? Because we want you. We do. We love to have you join. If you are new here, I am a creator and, and creator and developer of your backup plan app. I'm a best-selling author of a book called In the Blink of an Eye. I'm a financial advisor and an emergency preparedness coach. I can't believe how many things have come up in the last two years of emergency preparedness. It's everywhere. It's in the war, it's in the hurricanes, it's in the tornadoes, it's in the flood. Like I could, the list goes on. It was in the pandemic, of course. And I want you guys to be better prepared, of course. And because in the blink of an eye, something happens just like that before you know it. And then you are faced with something having to think about what to do or not having a plan creates perhaps wrong decisions. It creates um, an unhealthy mind because you're unable to make these proper decisions. Um, we're not given five minute evacuation notices and I've had my share of those in the past. They are nice, but it makes you think about what do you need to take with you quickly? And are you prepared? Are you prepared for the insurance problems afterwards? Are you prepared for the family issues afterwards? Are you prepared for the work problems afterwards? These are all kinds of the questions that when you have a plan, it's just, it's awesome. I, I, I can't explain it any different, but Anyways, we created the app because we want to organize all your details in case of any medical emergency, any sudden death, or unexpected tragedy to avoid all that tremendous stress after. If you have ever known anyone that has lost a house in a fire or had a car accident, I can't say it enough. The stress level goes through the roof and you're unable to think properly and you're unable to react properly. So by having a plan, it just helps guide you, helps know the things that you need to put together for your stuff. Um, I call it stuff because it's not just documents. It can be all sorts of things. It can be keys and pets and where your water shutoff valves are and your gas lines and um, what you'd like to give to family members, perhaps, or friends, um, what you need to have for insurance purposes after something has occurred. All of these things are wrapped up into a nice little app that helps guide you and assist you. So let's get on with the party because we are here with a very special guest today from Austin, Texas. We have had her on our show before. Would you expect to buy a vibrator for your mother. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. And I don't even know if I could even talk about it. So let's get 
Jessica Cannon here. She has been an awesome guest before. I'm so happy to have her. We're going to have a little short commercial, and I'll see you back here in a flash. You know, on our shows, we talk about all sorts of topics, of course, tragedies and traumas, inspirational stories and motivation about accidents and conditions that cause something else of resilience for people. I love doing these shows. I'm passionate about doing these shows with my friends and my colleagues um, that I, I, I meet each and every week and that I have as I can call friends forever. Um, but this one in, in particular case um, is a little bit different and it's a different kind of backup plan because Jessica found that with her parents or with her mother, you might find this too, caregiving, that something needed to be done. And I'm gonna let her tell that story because it was her backup plan. She needed, sometimes with dementia and Alzheimer's, you just need another kind of push in a different direction. And this was, the kind of thing that she needed to do. So let's find out. We'll bring her on and see what she can say and help us all understand here. Hello, Jessica. So happy to have you. Hi, I'm so glad to be here today and especially talking about this today. I know it's, it's, I just, I, I'm thrilled. I actually, I, I just want to know more. It makes me want to know more. And um, you're with Proact you're a proactive caregiver with your company. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm thrilled to have you come back on our show. Um, I, I say, Jessica, anytime you want to come back, I'll, I'll have you. Um, <laughs> we talk about really cool things. Um, we talked about your mom last time. And of course, we'll be talking about your mom a little bit again. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm excited to hear how did this kind of come about for you? Absolutely. This is one of the topics that is really, really hard to talk about for caregivers. And it's one that we kind of avoid, we shy away from. In fact, this is why I believe the way my mother's reaction, her behaviors, when this kind of stuff came around, the reaction was medication. Yeah. Okay. So in this point, you know, hold on one sec. I think maybe if you can start where you started looking after your mom, like that part first, because Absolutely. somebody might not have seen our show a few Last months time. back, right? Definitely. So I started taking care of my mother and then I reached that point of my boundaries, my limitations, both in my home and emotionally, physically, it was time to transition her into a assisted living. So the first assisted living she went into, we had a little bit of a rough adjustment and it was, some of it was to be expected. But when she was with me and living with me, my mother conversationally of having relationships, moving on in life, she was divorced. And of course, at that point in time, my dad had passed. But the idea of having another relationship, she always shied away from it. And that conversation was always, I don't need a man. I don't need a man. But then shortly after we moved her into the assisted living, the conversations switched and changed and her behavior, her demeanor, all of it was shockingly different to say the least. And the 
caregivers there were starting to tell me, your mother's a hoot. She's hilarious. She's talking about meeting a 25-year-old, this man and this man. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And so I found myself in this position of always apologizing for her actions, her words. But then I also asked them, when that comes up, could you please redirect her in some way? Because the more you laugh, the more you're going to encourage it. Unfortunately, there's this shift change. And no matter who I speak to, the messages weren't always shared. And so the more mom did it, the more they laughed and the more they encouraged <laughs> just by her laughing. And she loved this reaction, right? It was like the class clown that she always said that she was when she was growing up. Isn't that um, funny how it comes around again? It how did that kind of make you feel, Jessica? How do you it think was that embarrassing? It was really embarrassing. And then at the same time, I was like, ew, gross. I don't know what to do with this. This my mom's becoming this um cougar in her older age. And yeah, in a home. when you think about it, in a <laughs> home, when you think about it, it's funny. But when you're in the conversation with people and you're seeing their faces in the moment, it's like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know she was going to say that. Or the filter is completely gone. She shouldn't say that. But it's part of this process because whether we like it or not, or we recognize it or not, the brain's deteriorating and yeah, that filter is out the door. So is it well known that it continue that pro that sexual being continues even with dementia or is it only hit and miss with some people? It kind of is a hit and miss because even though we are finally understanding dementia a little bit more, we're still trying to put the names and, and forms of dementia, the labels to it. And this excessive hypersexuality is known for frontal temporal dementia, which is her main form of dementia. But even in other forms, it's just, I mean, when you're dealing with human nature, it's kind yeah. of to be expected. We don't just because but we don't want it to be. Yeah, we don't want it to be over with and just or as the child or even a spouse, we don't want to have to deal with this awkward no area of care and we want to have to uh, i had understood from a lot of caregiver homes like that that sort of nursing homes or care homes that there are a lot of men and women kind of going and checking on each other and stuff like that yeah i haven't personally had it around me um but i've heard about it so um that was something that so i was worried about it is. It is. And I was so worried about that when moving her into an assisted living. At first, yeah. I thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity to meet a friend. But as soon as she moved in, she says, oh, they're all old guys. They're useless. Oh. They're all old guys. <laughs> I was like, mom. And she doesn't see herself as old. You. No, she did not. Still does not. It just I wonder why. What happens there with their age and you're thinking that you're not as old as they are with you? Well, because as their mind is deteriorating, they're going back in time in their mind. So that's something I had to pay really close attention to whatever she was talking about at that point in time. 
it would tell me, oh, she's talking about something that happened when she was in her 30s or 40s. So she went back. And then we would have, as time passed, now she's in her 20s. And then now she's in like 15 or 16. Now she's 12 or 13. And now she's just quiet and shy. And she acts. It's not conversationally anymore. She acts like the three or four-year-old. So it's just oh, really? our mind. We go back in time as we lose more and more of our memories. And does that change throughout the day or is it they pick like it, 30 years old kind of thing or 20 or it, at a month? It's not that it changes throughout the day. It's really just for me, I saw the biggest changes before and after a shower, for example, because the shower made was the biggest form of circulation for her movement. And so she got that blood flow where she wasn't getting up to walk and exercise anymore. So that's where I saw the biggest change oh. other than just day by day or lack of sleep because having a dream and waking up going, I had the weirdest dream versus talking about the dream as if it was something that really happened. Yeah. It's just the way our mind works. Yeah. Or it stops working. Yeah, exactly. Or tries to work. <laughs> And we try to fill in the blanks, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I couldn't understand. And I know Jessica helped me understand that just backstage before the show was how my dad said, I feel like I'm 30. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? You can't even hardly get off the chair. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like for my brain, I want everything understandable. Like that's not understandable to me. It's not logic. Right. And that's the problem. We're trying to apply logic to situations that don't have much logic anymore. And I know it hurts us when we try to, though. God, <laughs> it's painful. It's, it's so confusing. And it's so, and that's why with this situation, with trying to help her adjust and adapt in a new environment, and then having these sexual urges and sexual conversations coming up it's like what do you do how do you deal with that well, has she fooled around with other men in the home or will they tell you that always, she was always so she would talk about it and she would brag about it but it, when the opportunity was there she would always so standoffish and would go back to her room and pretty much isolate herself in her room so it was all for her it was all more talk than anything else. Hmm. I know I've heard of people, the caregivers or carries find them in a different room with somebody mm -hmm. and then try and get them back to their own room. But yeah, have you heard that was common too? Absolutely. Because there is this sense of wandering and <laughs> there's also this kleptomania stage, I guess, as they wander and they go somewhere and they get into someone else's room and oh this is pretty cool they have new things they have different things or I like this this is mine now and or they find a friend and they find that room and they know where their friend is and so they can have conversation with that friend in their room instead of the common living area or dining area and it's like they're hanging out and they're like the teenager teenagers again. again. Yeah. Come hang out in my room. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Did the carrots find it amusing then with your mom? They 
they didn't find it frustrating or I guess. Well, at first it was amusing. It was hilarious. And I can only imagine the comments that were coming out of her mouth, but they found yeah. it hilarious. So they kind of encouraged it. And they even got to the point where they would play music so that she can do her little sexy Movements. dances. Yes. And it was movement, but that always encouraged more of that conversation. And I was like, Oh, you better redirect because I, I can hear where this is going. And sure enough, it would eventually get there. And those moments of this was funny and now it's offensive. And so they would kind of walk away and leave her to feel like, what did I do? What did I say? We were all yeah. having fun a minute ago and now you're all offended. Yeah. But she wouldn't know the difference if she's dancing no. and then it just changes, I guess. It no, no, not, not enough. Because at that point with the, that judgment and reasoning, that filter being gone, no, she wasn't able to say this is something that's upsetting or offensive or hurtful. She was just saying whatever got laughs. And even if it was something that was hurtful and they laughed at it just out of shock, she just took that as a cue, like, keep it rolling, keep it rolling, oh. keep the joke oh, rolling because they're still laughing. Not seeing the difference and even the facial expression of one that's really funny to one that was sarcastically like, I can't believe she just said that. Yeah. So Did she talk sexually too, or is that a possibility that yes. they would really talk a lot? Oh, yes. She talked sexually. She described the male anatomy Oh. The type of man she wanted, what she would do with it when she had, I mean, she got oh very my goodness. Yes. Yes. That's it not what you want to hear from your mother. No, exactly. I was like, I know what it felt like having that birds and the bees talk when she was my mother giving me the talk. And now here I am, the adult child having to give my mother the reverse conversation of there's an appropriate time to have this conversation. And Times when we need to just not have this at all. She and she still just go, what? Out, just out with everybody, just not with you, but just generally with anyone and whoever will listen. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, no. Pretty much. I wonder Any what the others the are residents? thinking. You know, I can only imagine that majority of them were offended. And you could see when I was there hanging out with her and we were having our little visits or playing games you could see the responses from the residents and the little snickering every now and again from the staff or the other caregivers. And then you could see some of the caregivers that would kind of head down and go away because they didn't want to have to come around her and be assaulted with her comments. She got pretty vulgar. Oh, jeez. I mean, Amazing. I just was shocked. Like, how is that coming out of my mother's mouth? How does she know those words? How does she know yeah. that personality? And it's not like she's watching movies or anything at that point that was encouraging that she would mimic. It was just, where did that come from? And who is this woman? I don't recognize this woman anymore. Yeah. And if you don't, what would it be like if a spouse was looking after her, Gosh. you know, in a home? I'm not sure what they would do for that. 
You know, and in some homes there is uh, where there's a husband wife and they either share rooms, a uh, larger suite, or they are roomed separately, but they know that their spouse is present. Yeah. But in this case, mom didn't have dad there. And in, in some cases she forgot she was divorced or refused to acknowledge. So that, that spousal side of it was just not a, it wasn't a deterrent, put it that way. It didn't stop her from having that conversation. And I think it'd be really scary for the spouse because they would be normally fine and they're, would she want to do something with, do you think with a spouse or would you think she would want them younger? Like she, cause of her age, she goes back to a certain. Well, age. just based off of her comments, she was always wanting someone younger. Yeah. In fact, eventually it was not just a younger gentleman, but she wanted two 25 year olds, one for each arm. And I thought, okay, <laughs> this is definitely not personality that I would have ever guessed. Wonder where it comes from. I don't know. I, I don't, I guess maybe just maybe the fact that the filter's gone and the inhibitions are gone that if she had even as a younger healthier person if she had any sexual fantasies that she was in too embarrassed to express or if she was taught that that's you know we don't talk about that kind of stuff now this stuff is coming out no matter yeah. what yeah and there's no one to say don't say that other than the staff or me and you know it's it's funny because the show's called talking taboo and I just find this whole topic taboo because I don't think I've never heard anyone talking about it. Like this portion no. of no, caregiving and of dementia. And I, I just have not, I don't even know how you would start conversation around it um, because it's so taboo. Like I wish you could tell us the kinds of things she'd be saying, but we can, guess yeah you know but it would be kind of interesting to be able to talk about it and then pop in a little video right, to, right. to kind of understand like what are kind of the signs that you would see happening that would allow you to understand that it's progressed to a certain level so early on the phrases that would come out is she would say oh i'm so horny it hurts Oh, yeah. And that is when the hospice nurse helped me focus on what is being said, not so much the awkward or vulgarness, but focus on what she's saying. So she's so horny, it hurts. We're going to test her for a urinary tract infection. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. So they would test her and it would come back and it would be clear. So there's no issue there but the comments would continue so aside from she wanted her two 25 year olds one for each arm she would describe uh the male anatomy what she wanted a uh, tall dark and handsome man uh, they would play tom jones music and she would get up dancing and do the gyrating hips and uh, and go into a description of what she would do if she had a man and this is a woman who I can't imagine only, what you'd be doing right now. 
I majority of the time was oh like, my oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is coming out of her mouth. I can't believe this is my mother. This is someone I don't recognize. This is someone that is making me feel all kinds of uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> feelings. And I just wanted to cut the visit short at that point and leave and just get out of there because I couldn't have the mother daughter moment at this point in time. At least yeah. I didn't know how to until I had a separate conversation with the hospice nurse and she explained the sexual tension. She says, you know, I listened to your mother and some of the comments she says, yeah, she's, she's a hoot. She's hilarious and more power to her if she gets a one, let alone two 25 year olds. But the conversation that she's having tells me she's dealing with a lot of sexual tension and we don't want to medicate that we want to be able to help her. And I thought, wait a minute, help. I don't know how to help at this point. And I originally had my own hard line boundaries. Like I knew in my mind where I could take this and where I would never go until I crossed the line and said, okay, I need to see her as a person living with dementia who still has human needs yeah. and not this gross, crazy cougar that's saying all these off the wall things and is makes me feel awkward. Yeah. Well, if I was in this position, I wouldn't want to just be medicated and left in a room to sleep just to avoid those comments from coming out. Cause it wasn't like she was aggressive where she was grabbing someone. It was just, the personality was over the top and the yes and the conversation was just uncomfortable and with not just her but with other residents you don't know where their mental age is and so just like you would shield them from watching the news so that they're not having this constant fear mongering moment you wouldn't put someone in front of others that won't stop talking about sex in this way. If that person that's there or the, the people that are in the common area have the mental age, you know, of a 10 year old. Yeah. So it's true. A little bit so what did the hospice nurse advise you to do? Did she have a few options or is there just, just that one? So when she described what was happening and what, the best thing to do for her as far as the sexual tension and release of the tension, we kind of coined it operation vibration. Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> so we decided the intent was to buy her a device that she could use the lubricants, cleaners, and a ton of gloves. And she knew how I felt about this. And she, pretty much said, if you will provide what we need, we'll make sure she has private protected time in her shower time on her shower days so that she could do what needed to happen. And you can continue being the daughter and I'll have to be involved with this. And I said, that is oh. the best thing. And when she explained how the body works, um, you know, how for men, men are they would purchase Viagra for men. Why wouldn't you purchase a vibrator for your mother? Right. Especially for the, the sexual release and what it does for the brain, what it does for releasing on, 
our reproductive stress. hormones and stress. And it's the natural orgasm for at this point, even if she doesn't achieve that, it's still the body's natural way for pain relieving and stress relieving. Yeah. So we, we put the plan in motion. And at first, even still with that, the conversation would go in a certain direction and we'd say, well, there's um, an opportunity here for you if you were willing to take this opportunity. And she actually refused it because oh. in her mind, initially she refused it because in her mind it was bad and it was wrong. But that's the mentality that came from the staff. Her conversations of what she was wanting was bad and it was wrong. And so when the time passed, we eventually explained it's okay. You can do this. Well, the nurse realized, I think you being present is also keeping her from it. So let's just do this on shower days when you're not here at all. And sure enough, she eventually felt comfortable. It was someone else. Her daughter is not involved in any kind of way, not even in the room. And my mother went from being this aggressive person verbally to the outspoken kind of out. Yes, more than outspoken. I mean, at some point it was, it's kind of like that, okay, I need to keep my hands here because you're, you're just in this aggressiveness. And I even to a point where she actually bumped a, another resident on the back of their head and started to get mean, that aggression turned into the mean girl in school kind of attitude. But wow. I came back the next day after her finally having time with the nurse and she sent me the text and said, operation vibration was a hit and Pablo is a savior. And I thought, what in the world? She had such a good time. She gave it an enduring pet name. Oh, she did. Yes. And so we were able to have, instead of having this conversation that would make people uncomfortable, we were able to say, is it time for Pablo? Do you need a moment with Pablo? And I'm forgiven. <laughs> Forgive me for saying that to anybody, anyone yeah. who's named Pablo. <laughs> yeah. But it's it became the backup plan that it changed her. It completely changed her. Because the moments that they had her on medication, she was sleepy, lethargic, just lifeless in her room, no activity. When they agreed to allow this to happen. Yeah. And of course they had to agree to allow this to happen. Um, once they found out about it actually, because I did, I made the choice to do this before I asked for anyone's permission. And once mom was able to engage in this way and have her privacy in the shower, it was like a totally different woman. Oh, wow. She was smiling. She was happy. She was ready to engage in activities. She was coming out of her room to watch TV and just be amongst people and have nice conversation. And the talk of what she wanted from a man and this, all of that just went away. Oh, wow. And That's when amazing. It, it was an incredible difference. And so when a couple of weeks went by and the talk kind of slowly started to ramp back up again, we knew, okay, it's time for Pablo again. <laughs> to come out of the closet. It's time so to for speak. Pablo to come out of the closet again. Off the shelf. 
Exactly. Did um, so one of the carries would give it to her then? So at that point, we made sure that it was scheduled. It was definitely scheduled oh. time because the care aides uh, at the first two facilities that she was at, the care aides were entirely against it, completely against it, didn't want to have to do any. They would rather put a prescription in, tell the doctors that she was being combative or aggressive, and they would up the dosage of medication to keep her in a room doing asleep. nothing doing nothing yes and so, so that it's, it's a hard decision to make then do you yes do you allow that to to go that direction or do you go this way right that, that's tough well and it's a level of comfort i mean i didn't feel comfortable with it i didn't feel comfortable with the conversation and coming to terms with how it would help her and the difference it would make now I'm glad that I passed and stepped over that line and passed, broke my own boundary because now I understand it. Now I see it. I saw the difference in her before and after. And if I could have given her just a little bit more quality of life, I mean, she was already talking about she was ready to die. She didn't like living this way. Aging sucks. And I can't imagine what that feels like living with dementia. But, Especially at 73 years, said your mom was, or yes. is now. Yeah, she'll be 73 this March. And that's still young. I mean, oh, that's like nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And giving up on the, the little pleasures of life. Yeah. Doesn't... That's crazy. And I, I want to take a quick second and make sure everybody knows that um, Jessica's information is down here in the bottom of the description box just to make sure everybody knows and don't forget to like share and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already some people say why not I say please and thank you but um, thank you for um, getting to to subscribe to our show because you know I never know just like Jessica came up with this idea of what's happened in her life and I thought that would be a great show because I'm sure if you've dealt with it there's other people other exactly. people struggling with this yes yes because aggression so we respond in society now we respond to aggression for those living with mental health orders with medication Aggression sometimes is something as small as or as simple as sexual tension. Or aggression could be a form of depression for men. Men usually get more aggressive from, and that's how they express their depression, rather than isolate and withdraw, like maybe a woman would. Right. But if they're getting drugged more, then they're just going to have a less type of life. Right. They're more docile. They're easier to manage. And in a community where they're not all made equal, I, I did have to search to find um, the third was a charm. I had to find a different and more understanding community for her to be in. But in those communities when care staff usually have anywhere from 16 to 22 individuals that they're responsible for on during one shift alone. Wow. The yes, and so that's what happens is the reaction is 
medication to keep everybody uh, manageable so they're not hurting each other and then the staff is able to manage. Right. Did someone have to show her how to use it? Yes, there was a little bit of um, instruction. The, the nurse was able to explain it. And my mother actually came back later and told me that a lot of the reasons why she was uh, apprehensive about using it was because she didn't know how to use it. And she was mm -hmm. embarrassed to ask how to use it. But once it was explained um, and they showed the down to the buttons and what the lubrication was for. I mean, getting into the details of it, then she just needed her own private time for the trial and error to start. And yeah, she figured it out. I mean, it's not entirely difficult. How long, <laughs> how, how long do you of a process do you think that took? Like a month it, or something? Or? It was actually about um, roughly two weeks of her having, because she was, I mean, the routine eventually gets to where they shower three times a week. And so having a little bit of time each time, each shower time. So it took some time and each time would come up with some new questions. What is this? Right. Why is that? What do I have? What happens when I press this? And of course, like everything else, technology, and it's not just as simple as an on off. Right. Just press the button then. Um, what do you think? Does she comment about it now at all? So it has been a little bit of time for her and it was what she needed at that time. And so it's helped. And now that enough time has passed, those urges are no longer as strong as they used to be. Oh, and so you could do it less often. She was having to that time less often. And even when she was not having that time, part of it is the activity itself. So if we were able to get her out of her room and engage in an activity, like, for example, the place that she's at now, they do morning exercises. They get their residents out and they do morning exercises. Well, that was blood flow for her. So that replaced that tension that was building up in her body from not having activity. Yeah, so it's so surprising that you're, the walking and the exercise can also benefit in yes. so many ways. Yes. And so many care homes just drug the patients and the residents so much. I know, I know. And I'm, I've been there and I've seen when there is one staff member and you have one or two residents that are having a difficult time while you have several that are just trying to relax and just off doing their own thing. And any and every parent knows, I mean, if you have more than one child and, and we're talking about 16 to 22 roughly, if one runs off in a direction, you've got to go off after that and hope that the other ones stay put. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like even toddlers. Exactly. And that's pretty much it's sometimes it's kind of cute when I hear the conversations that take place. I'm like, that's so sweet. They sound like a bunch of five year olds comparing or picking on each other. And oh. it's it's I know we're not supposed to refer to them as children, but they revert mentally that way. And so they get to 
feel like kids again. And you never know what age they're going to be that day when you go to visit, I guess. No, no, because since my mother is declining faster now, the progression has been surprisingly fast. She went from being that 12, 16 to 12 year old. And now she's within two months. She's now that three or four year old. Holy, that's a big yeah. shift. Well, she's, she's in the last stage. And so she's in her wind down process. Everything is, everything is progressing much faster. And that just tells me her brain has deteriorated to the point that everything else is falling apart faster. Do you know if things, certain things can make it progress faster? Oh yes, definitely. Excessive sugars, eating a lot of sugars, um, not exercising definitely because you get a lot less blood flow, which means you're getting a lot less oxygen up there as quickly as normal. Um, sleeping sometimes too much. I mean, that's part of that wind down process, but even if they're before that stage and they're sleeping all the time, well, they're not, when I mean, we need to sleep at night to restore our bodies, but if you're sleeping all the time, you're not getting nourishment, you're not getting the, the activity, the movement, all the other things that the body needs. So the brain is just kind of deteriorating. What about outside sleeping. and inside as well? Is going, going outdoors and absolutely. Cause once you go outside, you're getting your natural vitamin D, you're getting fresh air, which I mean, we can't downplay that, but fresh air makes a huge difference. It's yeah. one thing to stay inside with the stagnant air, especially if you don't have a lot of plants indoors, than to go outside and get fresh air that is just that rejuvenating kind of feeling. And then you're getting your natural vitamin D outside. Just for your mental health, really, just for yes, your brain. Exactly. Do they normally take walk. them outside or or it's more like a patio setting, I guess? Sometimes they will go outside if there is, a, they do have a patio setting and they have the canopies that keeps them covered and protected because, you know, some vitamin D is good, but too much is not so great. So they'll take them out to the patio to where they are able to get the fresh air and indirect sunlight, but not too much. And I guess worrying about the time of day so they're not too hot. Yeah. Yeah. cooler part uh, of the day, depending on where the patio is, I guess. Right, right. Um, what are kind of the signs? Have you, um, like for listeners out there, what would the signs be where they could maybe consider something like this? Or talk to the staff about it or the nurse? Right. So the signs would basically be similar to my mother, the comments that are made but also look at how much activity they are engaging in. How much are they either engaging or withdrawing? What were they like before? Because this is one thing people forget or don't understand is that when someone's living with dementia, who they were before just kind of amplifies as they get older. Yeah. Um, and so in this case, my mother kind of went in the opposite direction so that was one of those red flags, like, hey, something's not right. Something's not normal. Let's look into this a little bit more. Something that you haven't seen in your mom. Right, right. 
And so pointing out like the nurse did, listen to what they're saying. What are they saying? Because there could be, I mean, she has had those problems with urinary tract infections before. Those UTIs can be deadly for people with uh, dementia. And so her saying, I'm so horny, it hurts. Um, could be a sign of either or. Right. And always, always look into those and not dismiss them because you might have an issue that is an easy, quick fix as opposed to something that may fester longer and cause a lot more damage. Right. Now, did um, the nurse or in your experience ever, I know we were talking about mothers and females, but what mm -hmm. about men in the same situation? Would they show the same signs as that? They, with men, it's a little bit more obvious. I know as they age, uh, there might be a little bit more difficulty as far as, and which is why drugs like Viagra are available. So there may be a little bit more difficulty. So that aggression and that depression, I mean, those are key indicators to be aware of no matter what. But this is also something that for men, it is still just as important. They still need that sexual release and, and be able to have the tension resolved. Now, in the same scenario, they would have their privacy in a shower area. The problem with this is when you have majority of the care staff is typically women. Right. And so when you have men in communities and you have your female staff, now you have to really be careful of how it's approached because wherever any statement is made, uh, anything remotely resembling some sort of sexual contact with another care staff, then it has to be investigated and it has to be proven out that something did not occur and no, no inappropriate behavior was taking place. So it is definitely a difficult situation. And so this is where I also believe that rather than deal with that and face having something, someone say something, um, they did something inappropriate to me, then they would just give a medication to stifle that urge. But, but couldn't they somehow make space sometime for the man too? Absolutely. Their, kind of on their own without maybe have a male attendee them in the shower or whatever, and then kind of leave to give them some time. Are they allowed to leave or? Well, and, and the way this took place with my mother is uh, the showers have the benches that you can either push the bench down or, or sit on the bench. So there's a space that she could actually sit in the shower. Same thing for the man. And when it comes time, the curtain is, closed and the nurse is standing right outside the door within earshot to know if there's a, did they drop, did she drop her device or for him, does he need assistance as far as he's done with his quiet or private time and he needs, he's ready to get out, cleaned up and get out of the shower. So you don't really leave the room, but they're Give far them enough private time. Yes, far enough for private time, but close enough that 
they know if they hear something that's needing assistance right away, they're there. Well, you know, it's, it's really crazy because let's face it, sexual urges and sex in general are, is a big thing all through our lives. Absolutely. But we somehow don't want to talk about it when it gets to that point in dementia. I know. I know. Um, and the tricky thing is, is that if we could find a way to recognize it and help them manage it, I mean, being able to remain sexually active is only helpful. It's not just the hormone levels and the mood changes, but it also helps them keep their the muscles, those groin muscles, the muscles, the vaginal muscles, and even for men with helping them with the prostate, it keeps all of those muscles and ligaments tone. And yeah. so it helps them against the having the risk to minimize that risk of incontinence. And so that's, there's so many helpful things that come along with it. That you would have never guessed before exactly. the moment you experienced yourself. Yes. I, you know, understanding the importance of our hormones has been one of the big lessons in this for me, because men and women both reproduce estrogen and testosterone, and there's a reason for it. Our bodies need both of it. Having sexual, being sexually active and staying sexually active helps our bodies continue to produce that naturally. Naturally. Right. And stopping it. Because I know with women, after, like in menopause or after, when the hormones change that much, the doctors always say, well, you know, it can affect your heart and your... Exactly. All sorts of things, bones and mm -hmm. all sorts of things when your hormones aren't right. Right. Yeah. Because we, the estrogen helps that cerebr cerebral blank. Oh, can't even say it right now. Cerebral blood flow. Yeah. It helps that blood flow. And then testosterone helps with our bones. Them being fragile and between the two of them. I mean, yeah. our skin, not that I would be maybe now at my age worried about reducing wrinkles, but my mom, maybe not so much caring at that point, but the softness of your hair, even, I mean, it just affects so many things that we are, we don't even consider. Right. Right. Instead of just having the person drugged in the bed and then they sit, because sometimes I've gone to some care facilities and the residents are just sitting there, their head yeah, down. Exactly. They're like a zombie. Yep. I know. I mean, what and kind of life is that? It's sad. It is so sad when I see that. And a lot of times those residents don't have family that visit them. And so that's, again, the care staff makes sure the basics are done. Their um, briefs are dry. Their food is there. Their shirts are cleaned if they have food all over them. I mean, the basics are there. And yeah. so they're just existing at that point. Yeah. And I didn't want my mother to just exist. Right. Especially when she's so young. I know. So you were mentioning there's 10 stages of dementia. And there's actually seven stages of oh, dementia. Sorry, seven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you know, does it depend on how long you can count back to where they kind of, when you started seeing signs to 
I had to do that. I had to do that once we started to acknowledge that the actions that mom was showing us were abnormal. We had to go back. Well, when did this, when did we first start noticing the differences? And when we started backtracking, um, when she was in her mid forties, she was doing these things. Okay. Well, that is connects and corresponds to stage three. Well, when she was in her late forties to fifties, okay, that's where stage four is. And so we were able to take the behaviors and kind of backtrack to how old she was. And so now, then we understood how long this had been happening. And yeah. then we also understood how many things we dismissed along the way yes. that we just kind of said, Oh, it, she's just getting older. She's just being yeah. crazy mom. Well, my mom says that all the time, actually. Oh, he's just mm -hmm. old. You know, that's what happens when you get old. It is, but why is it happening? You know, that's, I, I hear that so much. That's just what happens when you get old. Yeah. Okay. So that's what happens when someone aging with dementia gets older. Right. Not with. Right. And active. That's, that's not the norm. And so that's where we always dismiss things because it's just aging. Back pain. Yeah. Oh, it's just aging. How much do you sit? How much do you stand? How much are you lifting with your knees? I mean, things that we dismiss because of aging. Mm -hmm. I don't want to end this story because it's so very interesting. Um, what kind of final message would you like to give the listeners, Jessica? There are three points I want the listeners to keep in mind. I want you to stay as much as possible. Be open-minded. Be proactive in your care. And be compassionate because one day this is going to be us. Oh, I hope not. I know. I, know. I mean, not everyone gets it, right? No, no. And that's where being proactive makes the difference. Understanding what you can do to help your body and your mind and your heart and keeping the healthy gut and how it all works together, we can be proactive and we can prevent from ever having to live with dementia. Yeah. And they say vitamin D I heard this past week is a new science of. Yes. Well, vitamin not D when is, it, of course, but before. Right. Vitamin D is important because without the vitamin D, our body cannot absorb much of the other vitamins and minerals. So and maybe that's D why helps it helps. The brain. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And it helps the brain. There are other qualities of it, but vitamin E and the B's and C's, I mean, but it all starts with that vitamin D. That's amazing. And I guess it goes to show that, you know, when you go to somewhere hot and the sun is out, mm -hmm. you just feel instantly better. Yes, exactly. We, we are getting that energy from the sun quite literally. Yeah. Even if and it's not hot, it just feels good. And that's where it's so good to get our loved ones out and ourselves outside, go for that short walk. I mean, 10 minutes if you can, and just add two to five minutes every week if you can. Yeah. And if your loved one can't walk, find a way to have a, a wheelchair or some sort of scooter that you can 
have them join in and get the fresh air and sun. I, I think they say 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day or something like that. At least 15 minutes a day, at least. Yeah. Well, I think it would make a big change in just people's um, moods even as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Because if you think about how good you feel after you step outside and you feel the sun on your face. Yeah. And it's just funny, you know, how we're so open to talking about all the things that will help them like the sunshine or for a walk right. or exercise or music. But as soon as it comes to the sexual tension, we just like, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly the type of um, mental image I wanted to have of my mother. No, <laughs> but if all things aside and seeing her as a human being, and wanting this human being that I love to have a good quality of life. What do you think? I think you must think that meeting this hospice nurse that really helped you understand and gave you a few options really changed this whole perspective for you. And life if you wouldn't changing. have had her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this was a younger nurse, very open-minded. I mean, I've interacted with many nurses at this point because of mom's decline over the years. And I don't experience this kind of conversation with the older nurses. I don't know if it's a matter of proper conversation, what's considered proper, but this younger nurse, uh, fresh out of college, had a couple of years under her belt. She had all the, the articles and all the explanations ready to go and it was life-changing for me to see mom differently in that way. But she still understood how uncomfortable it makes you even yes. then, right? She acknowledged that. Let's let you, and that's why our plan was in place, to, let's let you continue being the daughter, and I will be help her fulfill her needs. Yeah. Is the nurse still there? today um we've had she is still a hospice nurse to the to this day but since i had to relocate her to another community we there was some pushback uh the community that she we started this in they were not open-minded at all it was but the nurse was but the community wasn't that's strange isn't right it? right and that's the difference in how we understand things how we approach them what we how we deal with them what we do about it. It's just, it varies. It's just it's, the same for death. It is. It is. There are some people who like to talk about death and dying and some people who don't, they want to avoid it because yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your final messages. That was very, very informative, especially for me as well. Um, even considering, um, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there watching aging grandparents or parents or friends, you know, Absolutely. it's super important to understand the whole process. And if anybody, I'm going to make sure the other link for the previous show of Jessica's will be in this description box below um, that you see when you click on the more um, word down below in the description box. And we'll put her show there as well be so that you can kind of if you're interested in learning a little bit about how you got to 
the home because you talked about that in the other show as well. Yeah. And all of these taboo subjects are so informative. I just, I love them um, because it's something that we don't realize, you know, I, for me, I think the majority of us dealing with people that we know or go to visit, we just don't understand that disease. Mm-hmm. It's so, I don't know, sometimes I think, you know, my dad is, is there. And then other times it's like, where did dad go? Yeah. You know, he's, he's acting like, I don't know. I, I can't even explain it. Just no logic to it. That's what we right. go back to. <laughs> right. We're, we're trying to apply logic to a unlogical situation. Yeah. I wonder what chimpanzees and stuff did. I'm sure their community was, they must all go through that same type of diseases as we have. I wonder. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, But anyways, I love the show. I I love talking taboo, as you know, everybody. Um, You know, and please like, share, and subscribe this show to other people because you don't know where it might just help somebody. We are not Superman. Uh, we act like we are because nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen to us. But as you know, far, far, far from the truth. We can look at the last five years around us, you know, shootings in the school and the streets and work mm-hmm. accidents and car accidents and overdoses are becoming so prevalent right now, not to mention the pandemic and the crazy wars and natural disasters we've had in the last week. Um, We've had so many um, earthquakes in Turkey and Syria and New Zealand and around the world. And I think the full moon is tomorrow for anybody (laughs) listening to this live today. Um, So there's supposed to be a lot more activity with all the planets aligning this week, as well as the full moon on top of it is supposed to create a little bit of tension amongst the planets. Mm -hmm. So we may find a few different crazy weather changes and earthquakes around the world as well. I have been kind of watching that because it happened in February as well with the different planets. So um, if you are thinking of that special someone right now, you know, you haven't talked to in a while, that you haven't told how much you love and care about, please pick up the phone. Please knock on their door. Please FaceTime, whatever it takes to tell them how much you love and care about them because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And as Mike Tyson's famous quote is, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the mouth. And it's very true. Everything, your life changes in the blink of an eye. Every moment is magic. So make every magic moment count. I like So that being said, Carol Burnett, we always end with Carol Burnett. I'm so glad we had this time together. Mm -hmm. And I can't sing because I've had a a gland that's been swollen. And so please excuse my singing today. (laughs) I'll try and just talk it out. Uh, I'm so glad we have a time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, I love your comments down below. If um, 
If you have any mean comments, you can keep them to yourself. But if you have any comments that you think that are going to help others, as well as things that you might have learned from the show, please share it with others. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you, Jessica, for coming on again for our show. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Till next time, stay safe, be kind. Bye for now.